Blog Talk Radio. Witches. I'm Raina Stark, so you don't have to be. Desperate House Witches is not a PG, GP, what? PG, G, PG, or even an R-rated show. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that glitch. It's been a long-ass week. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by uh, the amazingly wicked one, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out wickedwitchstudios.com <laughs> for all of your witching needs. Uh, she is still having her sale on those amazing little coffin boxes and the candles and the oils and the spray. Get it all. Get it all. Just get it all. Because we're about to hit a major political season, and we're going to need all the reinforcements we can possibly get our hands on. Oh, yeah. So if you don't like bodily function, dirty talk of any kind, this is not the show for you. There's going to be a lot of cursing, no doubt, a lot of swearing, um, and a lot of interesting banter about the political bullshit, speaking of which, my very distinct pleasure to bring back, as always, first Fridays of the month, my friend and yours, the amazing pagan pundit himself, the incredible Talison Govannon. Hello, my friend. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going out there, everybody in Internet land? Uh, and I got uh, one phrase to throw out there to Donald Trump. We're not tired of winning yet. We Democrats, so keep it up. <laughs> well, Talison, before we get into all the news that fits the print on the political front, tell everybody what you're up to and the web series and all the good stuff that we were talking about earlier. Right, big, big news. Uh, my debut Kindle Vela series, Welcome to Paranormal Acres, is live. And I just uploaded three more episodes. They're in the process of being published right now. Uh, now, for those of you who aren't familiar, Kindle Vela is a serialized storytelling service from Amazon. It works in your Kindle app. You can read it on the Amazon. And what it is is it's short, bite-sized episodes that all go together to tell a bigger story. Uh, the, the episodes are anywhere between 600 and 5,000 words long. And to give you an idea, if you've ever read The Sorceress or The Witch, my first two novels in The Sorceress Saga, the average uh, chapter length for those is somewhere between 10 and 13,000 words per chapter, uh, whereas Kindle Vela episodes are somewhere between 600 and 5,000 words. Mine tend to run somewhere between 1,800 and 2,200 words per episode, and it's great if you don't have super long blocks to read and you don't like leaving off in the middle of things. Uh, you can, you know, get through what you can get through and leave off at a good spot and pick it up next time. Uh, the first three episodes of every Kindle Vela story are always free, so you can try out a story and see if you like it before you actually spend any money to unlock uh, any further episodes. Uh, now, uh, if you've never used Kindle Vela before, you can uh, you can go and get 200 free tokens by logging into your Amazon account and checking out Kindle Vela. Uh, you can find the link to Welcome to Paranormal Acres. Uh, Raina just shared it on the show page. Uh, and this yep. is a story, 
Welcome to Paranormal Acres is about uh, is centered around an amusement park in Aurora, Ohio, Portage County, Ohio, that started out life called Geauga Lake. And this was actually a real place in the real world. It opened in 1887. It went through a few owners, was uh, owned by Six Flags for a short time, who turned it into Six Flags Worlds of Adventure, the largest amusement park on the planet as far as sheer size and acreage. Uh, But they expanded too quickly. They couldn't keep it going. And they eventually wound up selling that park to Cedar Fair, Cedar Point's parent company, who closed the park in 2007. But in this fantasy world, which, by the way, is the Sorceress universe, so if you've read the Sorceress or the Witch, you're already familiar with the world where this is set in. In that world, Yaga Lake never closed. It was not sold to Cedar Fair. It was sold instead to Angelique and Vincent, the main vampires from the Sorceress saga, uh, who operated as one of their many, many international holdings. And it's a place where the general public, regular everyday people go during the day, but at night when the park closes, uh, there's enchantments to hide the activities from the outside world, and that's when the creatures of the night, the vampires, the werewolves, all kinds of creatures can come out and play and enjoy themselves in a place where they don't have to hide who. Uh, and this is the world that my characters get involved in. Uh, the park is renamed Paranormal Acres. It's a horror-themed amusement park because it's owned by a couple of vampires, and they have a very dark grim sense of humor, and it's about Susan Harris, a 47-year-old mother of two, and how her, her 15-year-old son, Stephen, and her 20-year-old daughter, Lauren, get involved at the park and mixed up in its world. You can, again, check out the link that's on the Desperate Home Witches homepage to get to Welcome to Paranormal Acres. You can read the first three episodes for free and then unlock them for pennies per chapter and read as far as you want. Hopefully you'll get addicted and you want to keep going. I upload new episodes every week. I've got three right now in the process of being published. We're up to 28 episodes now in season one of Welcome to Paranormal Acres. There is a murder mystery involved. There is paranormal romance involved. There's humor, action, drama, the work. So check out Welcome to Paranormal Acres on Kindle Bella. Hi. Oh, that's awesome. Very exciting. Congratulations, my friend. Congratulations. Yes. That's very cool. Very, very cool. Oh my gosh. So while you're while you've not been working on all of those things, um oh. <laughs> so uh, history happened history did in fact happen this week for the very first time in the House of Representatives the was ousted. Um it's been attempted before. Uh, on on a few occasions, but this is the first time someone actually was voted out. And unlike his yeah. votes to get in, which took 15 rounds, um, it only took one one vote. That's it to get him out. Yep. I you know this is yep. this is what happens when you promise too many things to too many people. And stupid things is that your your lack of inter- integrity is is evident by the deals you have made with the various devils you know. If he thought that Matt Gates wasn't going to pull that trigger at some point, he had to be a moron. I mean, isn't that craven? Yeah. Or, was he that desperate? Well, Kevin McCarthy was the weaseliest weasel who ever weaseled in Washington. Uh, that's the way I like to put it. <laughs> this is the guy who wanted the job so bad, 
He is willing to do and say anything to get it. And the minute that you get to that point, uh, your tenure is over because they know they've got you. The fact of the matter is, is that Kevin McCarthy made deals with everybody, and he didn't keep a single one. He didn't keep deals mm-hmm. with Republicans. He didn't keep deals with Democrats. He negotiated a big economic package with Joe Biden and immediately reneged on it. Uh, he swore up and down that he wasn't going to start an impeachment inquiry unless the whole House voted to start the inquiry. He even went back on that. Everything he did to try to save himself, uh, he just was not to be trusted. And then after the Democrats come in at the last minute and vote for a continuing resolution that they didn't want because it didn't have any Ukraine aid in it, but otherwise kept all the other budgetary things going for 45 days to avoid a government shutdown, the Democrats come in, they provide the bulk of the votes to keep the government from being shut down and to keep the kind of disaster that government shutdowns always are for Republicans from happening. Uh, More Democrats than Republicans voted for that bill. And then Kevin McCarthy goes out on the Sunday shows the next day and accuses the Democrats of being the ones who really wanted to shut down the government. I mean, the fact that this guy knew that working with Democrats to keep the government open was going to trigger a motion to vacate, the only way he was going to survive that is if he could get enough Democrats to not show up so that the power of the crazy caucus was diluted. Um, And then he goes and trashes Democrats on all the Sunday shows. And that's all Hakeem Jeffries had to do. Let me tell you, the Democrats were not automatically unified against McCarthy. They're those squishy, moderate Democrats, those institutionalists who don't like chaos, who don't like to do unprecedented things, who would have been persuadable to either vote to keep McCarthy or just not show up or vote president so that they weren't included in the math and it would have been easier for McCarthy to beat back this challenge. But soon as soon as Democratic leader Jeffries showed the entire conference, Kevin McCarthy, not 12 hours after they bailed his ass out, trying to throw them under the bus, it was easy. Yeah. It, was a, it was a unanimous sentiment of fuck that guy. He can sink or swim on his own, and he sank. Now, when he got elected earlier in the year, the next show you and I did, I said that Kevin McCarthy is going to be lucky to get to six months, but he is not going to finish out the year as Speaker of the House. Yeah. And you thought that was kind of yes, an astonishing did. thing to hear at the time. Um, but here I it did. is. It's October, and Kevin McCarthy is no longer Speaker of the House. And really, the, the, the House is completely ungovernable right now. That's the hell of it. Everything they've tried to do, even as fundraising uh, stuff, has so horribly backfired on them. Their whole weaponization of government hearings, wound up being a a, a situation where you had the dentist bulbs of the Republican conference trying to lead those hearings, and Democrats and people who were coming to testify just kept handing them their asses over and over and over again to the point where Fox News stopped covering the hearings because they were tired of seeing the Republicans get embarrassed by literally people walking in off the street almost, just completely ripping them to shreds. And then the first impeachment inquiry hearing they have, 
And the very people that the Republicans call as their star witnesses under oath say, there isn't anything that would warrant impeachment right now. We haven't found anything. Um, And these are their star witnesses crashing and burning in such spectacular fashion. I mean, this is a party that is self-immolating. They are burning their own house down. They are soaking the the carpets with kerosene and then, uh, you know, flicking cigarette ashes on the floor constantly over and over again. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's gotten ridiculous. Uh, they're just, they're dysfunctional. They cannot function. And after next year's uh, election, they're not going to have to function anymore. Because let me tell you something. If you thought Kevin McCarthy was paralyzed, any of the people that have been floated as a possible Speaker of the House are not going to have much better of a time. Look at who they're floating as a possible replacement right now. You've got Jim Jordan from Ohio, a guy who was shown to look the other way while a wrestling coach was sexually abusing uh, students at Ohio State University. Uh, that's why in Ohio we call Jim Jordan, we spell it G-Y-M, Jim Jordan, like gymnasium. Um, and, and he's running, so you don't want to necessarily have a speaker who, who shouldn't be allowed within 500 feet of an elementary school. That's number one. The guy running against him, sure. Steve Scalise, once described himself, uh, Steve Scalise once described himself as David Duke without the baggage. All the hatred and the racism, but without the past of actually working for the Ku Klux Klan. That's, that was Steve Scalise's sales pitch to a Republican donor one time. That, that's the other guy yeah. that they're considering. Neither one of them uh, is, has anywhere near clear enough support to win. Uh, 15 ballots could seem quick compared to what happens if it's just down to these two guys. Somebody else is floating, Elise Stefanik, who is just a complete nut job. And yet other people like Marjorie Taylor Greene is saying that the only candidate she likes for speaker is Donald Trump, even though they would have to change the rules. They would have to change the rules to allow Donald Trump to even run because the Republicans' own rules for their conference in the House says that members of leadership shall, shall step aside if they are indicted for a felony that could carry a jail sentence of two years or longer. That is in the rules. They would have to change the rules, seeing as that he's got 91 felony counts. Any one of them is more than a two-year sentence uh, on the felonies. They would have to change the rules. They don't even have the votes to change the rules, probably, to allow that to happen. So it's, it's, it's complete shambles. Um, and let me tell you something. There are very subtle conversations. They're starting very soft right now, and not everybody's hearing them. But there are still uh, the most spineless Republicans, the ones that got elected as moderates, uh, who have been towing the Donald Trump line because they're spineless and their spines are made of jelly. Um, but they're still wanting to keep their jobs, and they're so of all of this crap, there's a few of them that have been talking about trying to find some kind of detente deal with Democrats. Democrats, by the way, already know this is coming, and they're unified in saying the only person that they're going to vote for to be Speaker of the House is Hakeem Jeffries. So yes. if, you, <laughs> if you get 
four or five of these Republican, maybe pick the guys in Biden districts, the ones that Biden won by five to 18 points in the 2020 elections, there's 18 different Republicans who serve in these Biden districts who are really, when I go into the numbers that I want to get into next and the, and the polling differentials that have been uncovered are really shitting turnips right now. These guys are breaking out into assholes and shitting themselves to death. You get five out of the 18 who are willing to say, hey, I can't become a Democrat because you guys would never accept me, but I'll vote for Then it's a whole new ball game, and the entire party will go nuclear. Because if this happens, it will happen before the filing deadlines for most of the primaries for next year. So a party that already doesn't have enough money to run a general election right now would be mired in right. costly combative primaries uh, because of the entire core of their Washington caucus melting down. It's, it's incredible. I have no idea what's going to go on. I know that I'm going to kick back maybe and watch C-SPAN, uh, see if I can find AOC's group chat on Twitch, see what's going on. Yeah. AOC does like to hop onto Twitch here and there to do some live streams. So she, if she live streams the C-SPAN coverage for the, uh, uh, on Twitch for the, uh, for the speaker's race, I will pop some popcorn and watch it right along with her. That, that's just, it's just going to be a hell of a time. Oh my gosh. The implosion is just not to be believed. I, I'm I'm still reeling with shock at the fact that they really have no one to put up. It is almost unfathomable. Fathomable. Jeez, I can't even talk. Right. Um and the history of... coming for Trump. Don't they? Oh, I and the the hell it is too, is that um I mean, the Republican Party right now, Trump is soaking up all of the donations. He is literally getting all the money because something happened right. recently where the Republican Party is kind of giving up. The decision has been made to give up on this farce of a primary, uh, to give up. They're basically they're going to pull the plug on the rest of the Republican debates uh, because Donald Trump won't show up. Nobody else there is serious about actually trying to win because they won't attack the one guy who's beating all of them, Donald Trump. They're all running for second place, and it's just a waste of time, and it's distracting people. And people like Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, and Nikki Haley is now leading Ron DeSantis in most states, by the way. He has become the new alternative uh, that is still getting beaten by 30 points. Um, and, you know, these people are soaking up money that the National Party wants to soak up uh, because they're hurting. The Wisconsin Republican Party recently reported that they had $56 cash on hand for the entire state party. In other words, the Wisconsin uh, – or no, the Minnesota Republican Party did not have enough money at the time to buy a game for their Xbox. That is how broke they are. Uh, Minnesota, possibly Wisconsin, Arizona – there's several states where the Republican Party is thinking about canceling their primary and just going to the and sending delegates to the convention uh, because they don't have enough money to put one off. They don't even have enough money to print uh, poll worker education materials. It's gotten bad. Trump is soaking up all the money. 
And because of the news that came out in the past couple of weeks about poll differentials, uh, the major donors are pulling out of the primaries. They're trying to save their powder for the general election because the news they got isn't good. Now, this is the big news that has been a sleeper that you haven't seen on a lot of the cable news shows unless you watch Morning Joe or the really wonky stuff like Chris Hayes or Ari Melber, but uh, on MSNBC. Yeah. Uh, but the, the polling differential numbers have come out for the special elections that have happened since the 2022 midterms last year. There have been some 30 different special elections over the past couple of years. And these are things that pollsters look at closely because a lot of these races were polled. They weren't big races. Most of them were not big races. A lot of them, like the special election they just had in Ohio, uh, they had to give – they had no candidates. It was all uh, issues, and they had to give issues liberal or conservative slants in order to get a sense of polling differential and who's turning out for these things. Uh, But what they've looked at when they look at races for state representative, state senator, mayor, governor – all these various state and county and city local races, they're finding something that is common in all of them. There have been 33 special elections, and in 30 of them, Democrats have outperformed their polls. Now, what that means is that if a poll says that the Democrat is going to lose by one point, but instead the Democrat wins by five points, that means there was a six-point poll differential. Uh, that's the difference between what actually happened and what they predicted would happen. Uh, and, or if you say if you're expected to win by two points and you lose by three, that's a five-point difference. Two points to get down to even, three points to the point where you lost. And why that's important is, be, is because it shows who's showing up and how they're voting. And special elections are indicative because special elections are not – mass voting turnout events. They tend to be a lower turnout, more specialized electorate, people who are willing to make time for an extra election and actually know anything about what's going on. Uh, And so you can really gauge enthusiasm through these special elections. And what they found is that the Democrats are outperforming their polls in 30 out of 33 of these special elections they looked at. And it's not by one or two points. We're talking the lowest poll differential was six points. So Democrats are doing better between six and 30 points from where the polls said they would be. I mean, some of these literally would say the Democrat and the Republican are in a dead heat and the Democrat wins by 15. And that winds up being like a 30-point poll differential uh, between the two candidates. It's nuts. And it's happening over and over and over again. So it's getting, for example, there's a new poll put out today that shows uh, Joe Biden at 51% and Donald Trump at 49% in the national polls, which we all know are useless anyway, because we don't have one national contest. We've got 15 smaller state contests, but let's go with these numbers for the moment because they're the ones we have. If you were to take, if you were to be conservative and tack on the poll differential, the lowest one that Democrats have experienced in the last two years, then you'd actually be looking at that it's not Joe Biden winning 51 to 49. It's more like Joe Biden winning 54 to 46. 
uh, because that's tacking on that six-point hole differential that's been happening over and over again. Uh, and so Democrats, that's why the big red wave that was supposed to happen, a red trickle that left the Republicans with such a slim majority in the House that it's been nothing but chaos ever since because Democrats outperform their polls every single time. Even races that Republicans won in these special elections, they didn't win by nearly as much as what they were supposed to. And so that still comes into play here. Now, why is this happening? There's several reasons why. One thing that's happening is the poison pill of Donald Trump is causing undervotes. Now, what is that? Well, in 2020, in states like Georgia, there were a lot of ballots where a person would go in to vote. They'd vote for every single Republican on the ballot except for Donald Trump. They, wouldn't bring, they couldn't bring themselves to vote for Joe Biden, but they wouldn't vote for Donald Trump either. They wouldn't vote for anybody for president. They'd leave it blank. And that's what's known as an undervote. Undervotes have been happening all the time. If there's a candidate who's endorsed by Donald Trump, they get a lot of undervotes. In other words, somebody's like, oh, that Trump likes this guy. I'm not going to vote. They won't vote for the Democrat either, but they won't vote for them. That's how Brian Kemp could get reelected in Georgia by a nice margin, but Donald Trump lost the state. Uh, so that's happening, especially with Republicans in the suburbs. But the biggest thing is this youth quake I've been talking about for a while. People don't understand just how many Gen Z voters we're going to have next year that we didn't have last year. I crunched the numbers earlier today. Um, there are 4 million members of Gen Z, 4 million plus every year who are turning 18. The participation rate for Gen Z 18 to 29-year-old voters is 31%. Yeah, Raina, for you or I, for baby boomers or Gen X, when our asses turned 18, the voting rate for 18 to 29-year-olds was around 8 or 9% maybe 10% in a big year. Um, They're voting at 31% as soon as they can, and they're breaking three or four to one for Democrats. And it's not that they're hardcore party heads. It's not that they love the Democratic Party. They'll tell you Joe Biden's too old. They'll also tell you Donald Trump is too old. But when it comes down to the choice between the the guy who's too old who needs a nap and the guy who's too old who needs another defense attorney because he's a fucking Nazi, they're going to pick the old guy who needs to nap. And they're not going to fuck around with third party. These kids started being able to vote their generation in 2016. And they saw firsthand what happens when people fuck around with third party vanity privilege bullshit. They don't do it. Uh, They may not be thrilled with their choices, but their attitude is vote for the person you want the most for in in the primaries, but if a Nazi is running in the general, you vote against the Nazi. doesn't matter if you think the other guy's a crook, because in a fight between a Nazi and a crook, the crook wins every time. And even somebody who's not a crook, somebody who's very decent like Joe Biden, if they're worried that he's too old to survive his term, they'd rather have him die in office than Donald Trump because they don't know who Trump is going to bring into office with him. Somebody just as bad as Donald. So... These Gen Z people do not live in houses that have landlines, and they will not under any circumstances, and I got two Gen Z kids, I know this, they will not answer cell phone numbers that they don't know. If you're not in their contact list, 
They'll wait and see if you if you leave a voicemail. Uh, and if it's somebody yeah. that they want to talk to next time, they'll put you in their contact for So they're being missed in the polls. Yep. And yeah. next year, 2024, 31% of the newly eligible Gen Z voters who have come up since 2020 are going to be about five. Since uh, 2020, it's going to be about five million new Gen Z voters who are breaking three and four to one for Democrats. They're not showing up on polls, but they're showing up in the poll deferentials. And that is why Republican donors are starting to roll up the sidewalks on the primaries. They stopped giving to the, they stopped giving to DeSantis. Nikki Haley, her, her poll numbers are going up. Her money raising numbers are going down. Um, and they're just getting out of this primary because they realize they may be too late to prepare for the general uh, because these poll differentials are all of a sudden making what should be a close race into a literal shellacking of the Republicans by Democrats next year. I only hope. I really do. Because I'm still very sick of hearing about how old Joe is because even the people who I know will not vote for Trump I, why, I mean, if, if Joe Biden is so old and people don't think he can do it, why are we having such a hard time finding somebody else? Exactly. Because it's, it's, you know, there's this realization amongst a lot of Democrats now that, you know, I, I'll tell you, I said a lot of things in the 2020 race during the primaries that I was wrong about. Joe was the only one who could have beaten Trump. Joe is the safe old white guy that middle America needed to break the Trump habit, to get enough of them to peel away, to be able to get away uh, from that Trump monkey on their back. And it's still completely fucked up because the cult of Trump is still strong within the remnants of the Republican Party. But let's not forget this either, folks. The last time we had numbers for party identification are from 2020. That's from three years ago. At that point, the Republican Party was down to 21% of the electorate identified as Republican. Now, only about 31% of them identified as Democrats at the time, but that's still a big difference, man. That's still a 33% drop from Democrat to Republican identification, and that's before January 6th. That's before last year's midterms. That's before the overturning of Roe v. Wade, which the Republicans own lock, stock, and barrel. We have no idea where party identification is coming from. But again, old polling models that talk about how this area traditionally had X amount of Republicans and X amount of Democrats turn out, uh, we have no idea how accurate those are going to be because we really don't know what the parties look like nowadays. So, uh, the, you know, there's been a shift in the suburbs from the Republicans to moderate Democrats. We've already seen the generation of people from boomers and Gen Xers that piss you and I off, the people who try to say that both parties are the same with different window dressing, there's been a bunch of these of our co of our age cohorts in the Republican Party who have switched to Democrats because they genuinely believe that, you know, both parties are the same, but the Republicans are getting kinda nuts. And they're and they're doing really stupid shit, and that's another thing that's been driving some of these special election uh, wins for Democrats is that the suburbs are changing. They're not as Republican as they were 
eight years ago. So all these numbers, again, and Donald Trump keeps soaking up all of the oxygen in the room. Republicans can't talk about anybody else. And it's getting to the point where he's soaking up all of the money in the room. And they really, yeah. they, they can't even come close to funding themselves. So, uh, again, invest in popcorn futures because I think we're going to be eating a lot of it over the next uh, year and a half. You know, what bothers me about all of this is the fact that Trump can even run in a world where he gives away military secrets to Australian businessmen, and that's just the you know, oh, yeah. and this is just the sh- this is just the shit we're finding out about now. I mean, forget how disgusting he is as a human being, and how he is filled with hate for anyone who is not exactly like him. But oh, the yeah. fact is, is that it's just you know, every every day we learn more about his disdain for the military. Uh, that, you know, he couldn't stand the sight of amputees for people who, you know, of people who actually serve, which also harkens back to the John McCain, uh, the comment he oh, made yeah. about John McCain being, you know, oh, yeah. I, 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 I like heroes that, that don't get captured, you fucking moron. Um, right. I mean, he's, he's such a vile human being, and now he's done, obviously – He's acting as an agent for a foreign government. You know, when you when you give secrets, your government secrets away uh, to to unauthorized people, isn't that has he not broken enough laws? What is the tipping point for these people? Well, that's the thing. It's like it's that cult of personality. It's the fact that uh, the 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 you know what you've got left in the Republican Party is not. You know, your parents' Republican Party, this isn't the party that spawned people like uh, Bob Dole or Alexander Haig or even John McCain. This is the dead-enders. These are the the wretched refuse and the remnants. Uh, These are the people who are convinced that government is useless, and their people might as well seize control and try to keep America white as long as possible. And, uh, you know, you you, and the thing is, too, is that, the Republican Party could have saved themselves if after January 6th, during the tr- second Trump impeachment, if they had found, convicted him of a single charge, he would have been, because of what he was charged with, he would have been barred from holding a federal office ever again. And the Republican Party could have, they could have justified it with the horror of January 6th. They had their chance. Instead, three weeks after January 6th, pilgrimage down to Mar-a-Lago to kiss the ring and pledge his fealty to Donald Trump. And I wasn't surprised when that happened. The Republican Party essentially dissolved itself as a distinct separate political entity during the 2020 Republican National Convention when, when they failed to do the one basic thing that every political party does uh, at their convention, which is to put out a platform that states their values and goals as a party. They didn't do it in 2020. Mm-hmm. They said that their platform was whatever Donald wanted. And as soon as they did that, they ceased to be a functioning political party and turned into yet another Trump-branded property. Well, now that we're getting close to seeing the Trump name come off of everything in New York, including Trump Tower, 
you see how well Trump branded, uh, you know, uh, you know, pop culture entities do. And the Republican Party has decided by their own actions, by their own fealty to this guy, by their refusal to say enough's enough and this guy needs to get the fuck out of here. By refusing to do that, they became another Trump-branded property joining Trump stakes and Trump University on the ash pile of things uh, destroyed by Donald Trump. And the fact of the matter is that we're seeing the end of the Trump uh, of the Trump empire, the financial empire. The thing that he said that blew up into pop culture in the 80s is being dissolved. Yesterday, the, tr- the judge in the New York civil fraud case uh, put, uh, put out a timetable and told the Trump people that you've got to name your receivers. You've got to let me know when these business contracts are going to be dissolved. You've got to let me know when these business entities are going to be dissolved. Uh, you've got to put together a list of, of receivers who are going to control your every move uh, that are acceptable to you, and I'll look at them and probably laugh at them, and appoint a court-appointed receiver. From, the, from yesterday on, Donald Trump can't move a penny out of New York State without the court's permission. And he's already lost the fraud case. The Trump, the, you know, he, he went for a bench trial not a jury trial, even yeah. though he could have asked for a jury trial, but his lawyers didn't Correct. check the box to ask for a a jury trial. Uh, these kind of cases quite often go to bench trial because these are strict number cases. This is like, you know, here's the set of numbers, here's that set of numbers. They don't add up. That's fraud. It's very, very simple, but it's very technical and uh, numbers-based. But the judge looked at it and already said, look, it's obvious you committed fraud. You inflated your properties when you were going for a loan, and you deflated the cost of your properties when you were going. And it wasn't just like it happened occasionally. It happened consistently. Every single time, every loan, property values went up. Tax time, property values plummet. Uh, And it's just so bare-ass obvious and not even trying to hide things that the judge has already ruled guilty of fraud. Now they're just checking to see if it was a conspiracy and what the damages should be. And the floor of damages in this case, if, the, uh, if, the, if Lakeisha James gets her way, the floor is a quarter of a billion dollars. And Donald does not have very much liquid assets. Most of his inflated self-worth is based in real estate deals. And there's a good chance that he may not even own the interest in Trump Tower that he claims he owns. He may have loaned it to somebody in a backroom deal to raise money. Uh, the, the, the judge has ordered Trump to name all of his silent business partners in real estate in New York, and they're going to resist doing that because if they do, you're going to see a lot of Russian oligarchs owning pieces of New York that nobody knew they owned because they thought they were owned by Donald Trump, but he's been selling them out and uh, making money that way. Uh, but the, the, that means that it may not be enough for him to sell Trump Tower. It may not be enough for him to sell his condo in Trump Tower, the one with the golden toilet. It may not be enough to sell every single property in the state of New York and New Jersey, including Bedminster. He may wind up having to sell Mar-a-Lago to pay the fines from this case. Um, He could quite literally be left with only his Scottish 
golf club when it's all said and done. And the Scottish government could wind up deciding to seize that if he's connected of a fel- if he's convicted of a felony. So right. it's all coming to pieces. It's all falling down around him. His entire myth of being this rich guy uh, is was built on smoke and mirrors, and it's all evaporating around him. Uh, so it's just again back in 2015, 2016, Donald Trump said that if he's elected president, that we're going to be winning so much you're going to get sick of winning. Hey, Don, I'm a Democrat. I'm a progressive. Not sick of winning yet. I'm not sick of winning. I, I'll, I'll get sick yeah. of winning the first time I hear the jail door slam behind your ass in these various trials. Okay, that's when I'll be satiated with winning. Uh, when the Republican Party fractures into two or three things, yeah. When the Republican Party fractures into two or three factions that are completely irrelevant, I will be satisfied with the amount of winning. I won't be sick of it yet, you know. Um, no. But and this is all coming, guys. And, you know, we don't need to. You know, now you know you get the nervous Nellies on the left. Ah, you're saying we should relax and not worry and have 2016? No. no, fuck no. Nobody's saying that. But the fact of the matter is, guys, we are winning. We are ahead right now. The, the, the numbers in the polls aren't showing it, but the numbers in the scientifically searched poll differentials are showing it. Uh, and what we just got to keep going. Keep doing what we're doing. Keep hammering our points home. Keep getting out there and supporting people. If you've got a race where a Democrat can unseat a Republican, Give them money. If you live in a safe district mm-hmm. where the Democrats are going to cruise to re-election, go out and vote for them, but give money to somebody who's trying to take a seat away from a Republican. We've got to decimate the Republicans in the Senate. We've got to annihilate them in the House. And once we mm-hmm. can do that, we can start getting the kind of legislation through. We can put Roe v. Wade back into law through legislation. We can safeguard gay marriage. We can get real health care reform in this country we can protect immigrants we can we can protect lgbtq americans we can pass a new voting rights act to replace the one decimated by the supreme court we can stack the court and dilute the conservatives who are trying to steal the country away from the common people and give it to the oligarchs there's nothing in the constitution that says how many supreme court justices there are folks when it was established that there were nine Supreme Court justices, that's back when we had nine circuit courts in America. We've got 13 circuit courts now. They could use the same justification to add four Supreme Court justices to the court. And with Joe in the White House and a solid Democratic majority in the Senate, we can reverse yeah. Citizens United. We can reverse the giveaways to the gun industry that they've done. We can reverse uh, the 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 voting suppression that the current Supreme Court is trying to uh, force on us. And if we get enough people in the Senate and in the House, we can impeach Clarence Thomas. We can impeach Brent Kavanaugh for lying on the stand. We can impeach Amy Coney Barrett for lying during, for perjury during her confirmation hearings. We can fucking clean house. We got to keep our eyes on the prize. Keep pushing forward, but don't do it out of desperation, folks. We're winning. We have the wind at our backs and the sun shining on us, and we got a big old fat doobie rolled and waiting for us across the finish line. We just have to bring this home. 
but let's do it out of joy, not out of panic, because we could really enjoy the next year and a half if we keep our heads about us. And that is really what a change in attitude for folks like me who you usually have to talk off the ledge. Um, Because, (laughs) you know, because quite honestly, I'm still hearing a lot of the, you know, oh, well, I don't know who to vote for because, uh, you know, I'm not really happy with, you know, Joe's not done enough and this. I mean, you're always going to have people who complain. And I'm, I'm, I'm just not wanting to live in that world right now. I think he's doing right. a fantastic job, quite frankly. Um, you know, he's working well, on things that you don't see right away, like health care and, you know, prescri- like prescription drugs. He's negotiating right now, trying to get lower prices for seniors. Hello? Oh, yeah. This is important shit. This is what government's supposed to be doing, am I right? Hey, but don't forget. Most of the pathetic whiners that you're talking about are really grouped within the baby boom and Gen X generations, our generations, Raina. That's where you find most of the uh-huh. mealy mouth whiners. These were the Green Party people in 2016. These were the fucking yeah. bros. These were the people, oh, I'll write in Mickey Mouse instead of voting for Hillary Clinton. Those people are mainly confined to Gen X and baby boomers. But millennials and Gen Z are already outvoting us in sheer numbers, and they're not like this, Uh, especially Gen Z. They're the most connected generation. They know what politics is like all over the world. They know how fucked most of this is. They know the lies. They they are under no illusions, and they are outvoting the old farts, and I'm saying, fucking it's about time. (laughs) Hello. We've been waiting for years for y'all to show up and help us out of this. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's gone on too long. The, the, De- the Democratic Party really needs to hold fast. I was very impressed um, with the vote uh, to oust McCarthy. All of, the, all of the Democrats hung together and stayed united, which was under, yeah. under minority-speaking uh, engagement, which I was very happy about. Uh, I, I can't wait to see Speaker Jeffries in a real, real sense running the whole show. Uh, I think he's phenomenal. Um, can you just briefly yeah. before, 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 we, before we start to wrap up, explain to me the move by Patrick McHenry of throwing Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer out of their offices. I, I don't understand what happened or why. Well, basically, when you leave leadership in the House, you go from the Speaker's office to a highway office, which is a place where people can still easily find you. But now the yeah. uh, Nancy Pelosi isn't the former Speaker, most recent former Speaker. Kevin McCarthy is, so that's his office now. But he did it really quick and gave him no, uh, gave him no uh, warning on it because he's being a petty little bitch is what he was being. Um, but that's pretty much part and parcel of the Republican these days is being petty bitches. So uh, that's pretty much what it comes down to like that. Um, the hell of it is is that, you know, Nancy Pelosi is somebody who knows what it's like to have a four- or five-seat majority in the House. One of the times she was Speaker – 
her her majority got down to the same slim majority that the Republicans just said made it impossible to do anything. And yet Nancy Pelosi mm-hmm. never had a problem keeping her caucus together because she understood that you got to talk with people, you got to deal with them, and when you give your word, you got to keep it. So if you go to somebody and say, listen, I know you want this thing bad. I can't get it for you. We don't have the votes. But if you let this go and come with me on these other things, I'm going to give you these three or four other things that you want, and I'll even go to your district for the big launch of one of your big initiatives and bring in all the publicity and make it look good for you. I just can't do this one thing. And she'd work with people, and she always kept her word. So even people who didn't support her in the speaker's election would wind up falling in line because they knew that if Nancy promised it, she'd deliver. Uh, And you didn't have that with Kevin McCarthy. That's the big difference. It wasn't the slim majority that screwed Kevin McCarthy. It was the fact that he he has a party that does not want to govern, who just wants to burn everything down, and he promised everything and kept nothing. And he paid the price. So uh, Hakeem Jeffries is going to be able to get in there, and he's going to have a much bigger majority, by the way, than four seats or five seats. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to have like a 15-seat majority uh, come January 2025. But, uh, you know, Democrats are going to show you how it's done, and Republicans are going to continue cannibalizing each other again until until they start forming off to form third parties. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see it. I'm finally in a, in a place where I can see that as being a reality. Because you've talked about this before over time. You know, for folks who, who may have forgotten, we've been at this over over 10 years. And in the right. last decade, um, you have predicted that the Republican Party would at some point hit an implosion mark. And it, it kind of looks like this is happening. But I, I, I was always amazed at how often the very, very different fat, fractious pieces of the Republican coalition stayed together for as long as they did. The religious nut jobs, mm-hmm. the hardcore racists, and the corporatists are three groups that should really be at odds in a lot of ways. However, they've all found each other to be useful idiots. But the thing is, Donald Trump came in and blew everything up. He came in and said, you don't have to compromise. You don't have to settle for anything less than 100% victory. And he was another person who found a way to promise things to every faction in the Republican Party. Um, And they were so thrilled to get somebody who told them anything they wanted to hear that they threw in with him. And And now every faction believes that they get to be the ones to run the show. And the ones with money are the first ones to check out. The corporate donors have, have been closing their purse strings uh, because they don't want to deal with Donald Trump, but none of these other people have shown themselves worthy. Uh, and so basically the corporatists are going to pull back and see what rises from the ashes. Uh, so the real fracture is going to be between your garden variety Republican and the hardcore burn-it-all-down crowd. And that's already happened. I've always thought that when the implosion started, it would be accelerated, mm-hmm. and it really wouldn't take that long. It just took longer to get going than I thought. But Donald Trump was the uh, the match that lit the fuse. Unbelievable. <laughs> I, I, I can't I know. say I'm not pleased to watch. I, I, I have to admit the schadenfreude is real for me. 
Oh, well, hop on the Schadenfreude Express, honey. We got we got another uh, 13 months of this shit coming, and it's only going to get more fun from here. I mean, as you start seeing, uh, I mean, right right now in Ohio, Ohio is poised to enshrine abortion rights into our state constitution, which means that Republicans are going to have to run on the idea of somehow getting an amendment through to undo that amendment to the state constitution, which they won't be able to do according to the rules in Ohio, but it's going to force them to stake out an incredibly unpopular position just to please the primary crowd, which will then be hung around their necks like a millstone in the general election. Uh, and which, you know, it's really wonderful. One of the, one of the things that makes me again, optimistic that Ohio finally has recreational cannabis on the ballot, things on the November ballot. The uh, effort to protect abortion rights and legalize weed, and they're both cruising to a victory. So uh, we're, 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 I'm, I'm going to be in a recreational state next year, which is going to make next year's election even more fucking hilarious. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. All right. In, in the last few minutes we've got left, um, go ahead and let folks know again where to find you, how to get a hold of you in the new series. Right. Well, you can always find me at com. I have stuff up there now about the Kindle Vela series, Welcome to Paranormal Acres. Uh, you can also find me on Spotify, of all things. I put together a playlist to go along with the new Vela series because every episode of Welcome to Paranormal Acres is named after a song title. And I have a playlist with all the song titles on there. So that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. I sent you that link as well. I'll put that out on the uh, on the Desperate House Witches page so you can read yep. the series and listen to the playlist of the songs. Very eclectic list. Any list where you have Dolly Parton and Dream Theater uh, and uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Falling in Reverse on the same list is a very eclectic list. Um, but again, if you like wistful, uh, first love, teen love type of paranormal romance, you've got the story of uh, Stephen Harris and his uh, husky shipper girlfriend, Billy Fairbanks. You've got a paranormal cozy mystery uh, to find out who killed Susan Harris's boss at her new job at the park. And you've got a dark, uh, sexy vampire paranormal romance. And all three of these are in the first season of Welcome to Paranormal Acres on Kindle Vella. Again, you can read the first three episodes for free. You can get 200 free tokens to read more chapters at no cost to you. And then you can unlock future episodes for just pennies per episode. I really need some folks to come out to not only read. I've, I've gotten more reads in the last six weeks than I expected to have at this time. It's been going very well. I'm already making money off the series. But what I need is a few of my loyal listeners to go out there, read it, give it a star rating. A five-star rating, of course, is always welcome on Amazon. And uh, leave a comment on an episode or leave a review of the series. That's what I need next to uh, get up there in the Amazon algorithm. Uh, you can uh, you can check it out, of course. Find it at talisong.com. You can look up Talison Govannon on amazon.com, and you'll find Welcome to Paranormal Acres as well as all of my other books, including the first two in the Sorcerer's Saga. And I'm on threads, uh, Talison G on threads. I'm not on Twitter much anymore, but, of course, as always, we're on Facebook. 
Uh, I've got uh, a lot of things coming up. Like I said, in six weeks, I've uploaded 28 episodes. Uh, 26, 27, and 28 are live as of right now. I just uploaded them today. And go check it out. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to be watching, going back in, rolling a great big doobie, and uh, watching last night's uh, Lawrence O'Donnell highlights on MSNBC. I invite everybody to come with me. And like always, folks, I I thank you for having me around, and I will see you next time. Uh, Same bat time, same bat channel. Talison, thank you again. We will have, I'm sure, a lot to talk about next month as well. All right, guys, that's it for this week. I will see you all next week. I'm so tired I can't even speak. Um, It's been a long one. Take care. Get some rest. Uh, The games are about to really kick in politically, so let's keep vigilant and make sure everybody's registered. Take care, you guys.